the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about... um, Something, well, let's put it, we've been talking about last week, anyhow, we've been talking about, and some of the weeks before, Michael Jackson and um, uh, pedophilia. Today we're going to be talking about a purer uh, kind of sex. In fact, we're going to be talking about sexual ecstasy, and it does not involve little children. My guest today is Dr. Arlene Goldman. She is a psychologist and a sexologist, and she specializes in couples and sex therapy. And she and her husband, Dr. Michael Broder, are the authors of The Secrets of Sexual Ecstasy. And that's what we'll be talking about today. We're going to be taking a positive spin on sex the way it's supposed to be. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Carol. Let's, um, before we get into the secrets of sexual ecstasy and particularly the five steps you can take that will improve your sex life tonight, beginning tonight, um, let's talk about, let's go back a bit and talk about um, some of the things that hinder people from uh, developing a maximally uh, ecstatic sexual um, interaction. And that would be um, one of the things that you talk about is how to train your brain to fall in love again. Mm -hmm. And certainly that's something that I have uh, found in my patients and in lecturing and um, that a lot of people, the older people get, um, and it doesn't have to be very old. I'm talking about even people in their 30s. Right. um, the, The more experiences, bad experiences they have had, with people of the opposite sex or in sexual relationships, um, the more they build up barriers to sex and to relationships and um, wind up being essentially asexual for years and years. This is true. And uh, two of the things that really uh, are kind of anti-sexual and anti-relationship are anger, you know, anger and resentment, are definitely killers of passion and also having unrealistic expectations which really are kind of premeditated disappointments. So, you know, having a fantasy of how someone is supposed to treat them or what a relationship is supposed to be that like rather than living the relationship. Yes. Uh, and then being disappointed and then being angry right. <laughs> and resentful that the resentful. person isn't isn't being that way. Right. So how do you teach people to uh, to train your brain to fall in love again? What do, how do you work with people with that? Well, one thing is to have realistic expectations of relationships um, and to really, if you're working with a couple, to find out what they both expect in the relationship 
and to help them to meet realistically each other's expectations. Uh, part of it is going back and asking people if they've been in a relationship for a while what they really first liked about their partner, what attracted them, and helping to remind them of that as well. Uh, another thing, there are studies done uh, that show that couples in good relationships have six times more positive interactions than negative interactions. Uh, and part of that... Wait, 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 wait. People who are in relationships have... Right. Good relationships. In good relationships. Versus okay. re- relationships where, you know, they say they're out of love with their partner. I see. Right. Have six times... It's work. I think maybe that's the most important thing for people to understand, that if you're in anything other than a short-term relationship, where in a short-term relationship like that initial glow, which we now know can be chemical, um, chemicals acting on your brain, you know, to begin the bonding, after that initial glow, you, you, you kind of fall back into reality and you look at your partner as uh, a real person and you see them with flaws, you know, uh, and warts and they're not perfect. And you can be angry about that or you can be realistic and accepting of it and still focus on the positive rather than the negative. And part of that in a relationship then, the way that translates in terms of the work of a relationship, is to really work on being positive in the relationship. You know, being appreciative of your partner, complimenting your partner, being supportive of your partner, so that when you get upset with your partner, which we all do in a, in a relationship, or when your partner disappoints you, which happens, again, it's normal to be disappointed at times because someone isn't going to be there for you all the time, that you kind of have this money in the bank, this positive goodwill between the two of you that helps in the the negative times to kind of be more forgiving and to quickly rebound from it. But what about if people say, um, well, I how do I... I don't want to, I don't feel like uh, complimenting them. I'm thinking about, you know, I'm seeing all their flaws. How do I compliment them when I'm, you mean you tell them to just make the effort of looking for these positives? Right. Well, and again, if you go back in your memory, you know, part of this is calling on the better times. You go back on your memory of why did you want to be with them to begin with? What was positive about them? What were the characteristics you liked about them? And really see if you if they're still there, you know, and in some ways they can still be there. One thing I have couples do sometimes, married couples, uh, is they have a videotape of their wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, this doesn't work for every couple, um, but for many couples, to go and watch it once a year. Yeah. To remember those really good feelings, loving feelings that they had for each other and the specialness of the relationship. Yes, and I think, you know, whenever people hear about um, it being necessary to do work to keep a relationship uh, alive and and flourishing, Mm -hmm. um, it's something turns off, as I'm sure you found out, (laughs) in their brain. Mm -hmm. Because we watch um, movies and and, uh, television, you know, 
movies in, on, um, in theaters and on television in which it just seems so effortless um, that people fall in love and, and uh, go off into the sunset and all of that. Um, that it's it, we've been trained to think that that's how it's supposed to be. Exactly, and it's not that way. And really, when you look at a movie, even if it, you know, portrays twenty years of a relationship, it's a total of maybe two hours on film. And most people can be pretty pleasant to their partners for two hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. What about um? Uh, before we get into these five steps and, mm-hmm. and other sure. uh, ways of uh, getting arriving at sexual ecstasy, um, what about um, how people are supposed to assess their sex life and pinpoint the areas that need attention? How do you – now, I assume that this book mm-hmm. is based – well, <laughs> you must be asked a lot, actually, right. when you do interviews about your sex life with your husband, the co-author. Mm-hmm. I mean, do people say, (laughs) like, um, your sex life must be incredible, or I don't know, what kinds of comments do you get? Well, people are curious, but, you know, our sex life is like other people's sex lives, and, you know, I mean, I think we both both understand that it really does take work. And I think also, actually, being in the field, and we both do a lot of work with couples, we, we, we are realistic about um, what relationships are, and I think maybe also appreciative of our own relationship in, in that light. So we are willing to, to know that it takes time. I mean, you need to put time and energy into anything in your life that you want to be good at. Mm-hmm. And there is that practice component to it. So, uh, you know, I think maybe we're a step ahead because we know these things, but unless... You know, like anyone else, unless we practice them, it's not going to be different for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so do you, in the, your work with couples or in um, putting together the book, um, how did you, what, how did you find out, um, I mean, what, what tools, what plan do you use to get, um, uh, people to assess their sex life and, and pinpoint these areas that need attention. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, how do you get, basically, how do you get couples to open up and talk to you about these things? The things, I mean, obviously the things that need attention are the right. things that um, they are most uncomfortable talking with. about, right. either and alone people, or with their partner. Right, and people are really, I mean, one of the major difficulties and one of the reasons that they're, are so many sexual difficulties or people are afraid to talk about sex with their partners. Yes. They're, you know, particularly because they're afraid their, their partner is going to either blame them or that there's something wrong with them or that their expectations are unrealistic and so their partner is going to think that they're weird or perverted or something like that. And because mm-hmm. we really don't have a lot of information out there. I mean, there actually is information out there, but what people don't have, again, realistic expectations about what their sex life uh, can be. And also the the transition between that great initial passion where sex may have felt effortless, although 
reality is, just getting back for a minute to training your brain, when you're first in a relationship, you're probably thinking a lot about being sexual with your partner or being physical or just having, can't wait to see them feelings. And so that, that gives us the illusion that there was no planning in terms of being sexual. Yes. And that now there needs to be more effort. Uh, but part of it is help giving people just permission, you know, when they're in my office, certainly they have permission to talk about some of these things together. And in our book, we actually have um, a chapter which is an inventory on, kind of an inventory of your sex life, and that's something that couples can take together or individually to really look at maybe what some of the issues are for them. What's, and for many people, it's like, what's changed? What used to be there and isn't there anymore? Or what is it that you want that you're not having, and how can you create that? Well, and, you know, of course, also at the beginning, um, people may not be 100% satisfied, mm-hmm. but um, they figure that when they marry the person or when the relationship is on, goes on longer or um, or they're willing to to accept something that isn't fantastic mm-hmm. um, because they are in love or infatuated with this person in other ways, and so mm-hmm. they figure that they'll they'll improve their sex life later, whereas um, when later comes, then they start discovering things, well, how come you don't do this? (laughs) And and why, uh, you know, then they start looking at it again and thinking, is this all there's going to be? Right, right. So the longer you get yourself into a sexual rut, the actually the more difficult it is to get out of. Yeah, so if you know you're having a problem, the, one, of the, one of the best things you can do for yourself is to get some help. And, you know, it, it can be professional help. It could be help through uh, many of the self-help books, my book included, but there are many good self-help books on the topic. Um, or to talk to, or first of all, to just talk to your partner about it rather than to try to kind of push it away or think it's going to get better. Yes. Well, why don't we um, take a break now? Okay. <laughs> How do you like that timing? <laughs> timing, very important for sexual right. ecstasy <laughs> and for radio shows. We're talking today with my guest, Dr. Arlene Goldman, about the secrets of sexual ecstasy. We're actually laying the groundwork for that. And we'll talk about that more when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the Terrorism Hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, 
Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race star. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet talk radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about The Secrets of Sexual Ecstasy, which is the book um, written and co-authored by my guest, Dr. Arlene Goldman, uh, co-authored with her husband, Dr. Michael Broder. And um, we're talking, uh, we've been talking about how to train your brain to fall in love again when you forget what it was that you fell in love with with your partner. Um, and now we've, we've, we're starting to talk about uh, how to assess your sex life. And I'm, Arlene, I wonder if you could um, tell us about, you know, for... for um, People who are listening and uh, feeling vaguely dissatisfied with their sex life but not really being able to pinpoint what is wrong with it or what needs to be improved. So why don't you give us some ways of looking at that? Right. Well, there are some different issues that can come up, particularly for couples and relationships. And one is to ask yourself, am I interested in sex? Am I interested as much as I used to be? And if not, you know, what's changed? And is it a problem between me and my partner? It's another real question because many times, I mean, one of the, the major sexual problems we see, in, in anyway, I see in practice is something called lack of sexual desire. And it's just like people will say, I just feel dead inside when it comes to sex. And they really don't know why. And 
for many of these people, if their partner approaches them, they can actually function sexually, but they're just not interested anymore, and you need to think about it. You know, certainly if you're feeling sad about something or you're really stressed or if you're really angry at your partner at that moment, you don't want to be sexual. But if this goes on for a while, it can be a sign of a major problem. The other problem related to desire, and I don't know, um, you know, for many people the question might be, you know, do I approach my partner anymore for sex or does, or do I feel that my partner approaches me too much? And what we see for some couples is one person just seems to have a much higher sex drive than the other and so then sex becomes a struggle rather than a pleasure for one partner and then they have sex kind of reluctantly with their partner which isn't really satisfying to either person. Um, and it becomes a, you know, they have sex, but it's not a satisfying kind of sexuality. Yes. So what do you, um, what do you find is the cause for, like, let's say from the desire, for example, the person, well, they're sort of related. I mean, what do you feel is most often the cause? Yes, if they're sort of uh, harboring a deep resentment, mm-hmm. but, um, what other kinds of things do you find? Well, sometimes, and this is particularly true for women, if they they just feel fatigued all the time. You know, if you're working, if, if you're both working and maybe you have a couple of children and you're running around taking care of the household, then there's, there isn't time to, one, feel sexy. I mean, that's the other thing is do you feel sexual you separately? As, you know, yourself, do you feel like a sexual person? So for many women, there's just not the time to kind of like transition into, and women more than men generally need time to transition into being sexual. Uh, Sometimes one of the suggestions I tell people is one of the best foreplays can be for your partner to help you with the housework or the child care Mm -hmm. um, because that will allow you to, one, feel connected and appreciated, but also give you some more time to kind of relax and get yourself into the mood. It's not like an on-off button. So that's the problem. Um, sometimes depression, we see, and certainly I'm sure you've seen that, you know, where people are depressed, they're just, they lose their libido. They may have trouble sleeping, they may not be interested in things in life, and they're, in general, and they're not interested in being sexual. Uh, mm-hmm. Other times, it's just taking each other for granted. It's, uh, again, in a relationship, it's about not waiting till you go to bed and after the news is over and now, okay, we have 15 minutes to be sexual before we have to go to sleep to wake mm-hmm. up the next morning. Um, it becomes too routine. There's no novelty. There's very little connection. There's no kind of sensual contact during the day, you know, that kind of, you know, pat on the back, pat somewhere or kiss or hug. It, You know, it's like sex is, is just supposed to be at bed at night and it doesn't feel very connected to anything else in your life. And so you get kind of turned off to it. Sometimes somebody's having a sexual problem, you know, either a male or female having a difficulty functioning, either problems with the most, some of the most common ones are for men, premature ejaculation or difficulties uh, obtaining or maintaining erections or 
women not getting aroused or having painful intercourse or not having orgasms. And so the being sexual isn't very satisfying in itself. It becomes more problematic. And most of us try to avoid things that don't feel good or aren't mm-hmm. pleasant or are going to cause conflict in the relationship. Yes. Sometimes um, uh, I think also a big trend that there seems to be, um, and I talked about this several weeks ago when I had on uh, a guest who used to be a Viagra salesman, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, there seems to be this trend that's been increasing over the years for men to feel emasculated um, where, by women, by women taking a stronger position in society and um, feeling, asking or expecting to have, um, to be more in control of their sex life or to have more sex and men being somewhat um, put off or intimidated mm-hmm. by this. And in, in some cases, I find that, that those are the kinds of, some of the people I see in my practice is, yes, if the relationship isn't equal, if it's, again, if, if either partner, male or female, is demanding of sex, it's not very sexy. It's not a turn-on. And, you know, in order to really respond and feel sexual pleasure and arousal, I mean, you need to be turned on. You can't, sex is something you can't do on demand. It involves your physical as well as emotional feelings. And so if if you're feeling threatened, you're not going to get aroused. Uh, if you're feeling angry, you're not aroused. If you're feeling put down for most of us, it's, you know, these are not ways of getting aroused. Sex is something that involves two people in a consensual and equal kind of relationship. Yes, and when someone is demanding of sex and then you feel like uh, you're not going to be, um, you're not going to be able to satisfy them sufficiently and, right. and it just becomes uh, something that the other person dreads and mm-hmm. the cycle continues. Exactly. And for men particularly, if they're feeling that way, they're going to have problems getting erections or maintaining erections. You know, women can maybe fake it a little more, but it's not going to be any more enjoyable for them. Right. And I'm working with a couple now who um, have sexual problems and seem to only... Uh, be able to uh, find time mm-hmm. um, for sex when they go on vacation. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we know that that's just an excuse. Mm-hmm. That um, uh, I mean, yes, they may well be uh, uh, able to focus on each other and not be distracted right. by other things and not be as stressed, but certainly if one wants to have a sexual, a healthy sexual relationship, right. um, you make the time. Exactly. But you... But but that's really an important point because when you're on vacation, you are relaxed and you're focusing on each other and you're feeling positive. And the question is, how can you translate that into your home? Yes. So that because for many people, their lives really are a constant stress from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep. Yes. <laughs> I <Okay>. guess. <laughs> All right. I guess it's time to take a break now. Okay. We're talking about. Secrets of Sexual Ecstasy. My guest today is Dr. Arlene Goldman, and we will be back after this break. Uh, You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust-busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Silly, and get ready to do some serious crust-busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on VoiceAmerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for crust-busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with Arlene Goldman, Ph.D. She's a psychologist and sexologist, and she specializes in couples and sex therapy. She is also the author, along with her husband, of Secrets of Sexual Ecstasy. And now that we've had a half an hour of foreplay, (laughs) teasing you to uh, stay tuned to listen (laughs) to what these five steps are that you can take that will improve your sex life tonight (laughs) or this afternoon (laughs) if you can't wait. Okay. (laughs) We're dying. What are they? Okay. So these are things that anyone can do, and they're they're. Fairly simple. First is really give yourself permission 
to have pleasure. And it, it real, and most people say, well, of course that's why I want to have sex. But that really means that you need to let go of any kinds of negative thoughts you have about being sexual, any guilt, or, or particularly, and this is particularly true for women, self-consciousness about your body, that your part, not to worry about what, what is happening, but to really focus on the fact that you can experience pleasure from your own body. That's the first step. The second step is to really be in the moment. It's about removing any obstacles. Uh, it, 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 it is really letting go of what happened, whether it's your last argument with your partner or the meeting that that's coming up tomorrow. It's about fully being in the present. And then the third step is really connecting to your partner both in terms of whatever, short-term, long-term partner, whatever positive feelings you have, sharing who you are. And in terms of the sexual intimacy, it's really that intimacy is really being willing to share with your partner what you like, what you want in terms of a sexual experience, and being open to listen to what your partner wants as well. And then the fourth step is to experience the sensuality uh, in terms of your sex, uh, of, of pleasure, using all your senses. This is not just about genital sex, but, you know, you ex- we experience the world and we experience our sexuality through all our senses. So what, you know, vision, what, what do you want to be looking at? Sound, what kinds of sounds, voice? Talking, music, uh, sense, what can you create, what fresh smells, um, aromatherapy, candles, you, um, what kind of touching do you enjoy? Again, communicating this um, and really focusing on the moment in terms of exploring your each other's bodies and exploring the pleasure of being touched all over uh, as well. And then the, the other thing is really doing what turns you on. Again, this is really taking a risk of, sh- of, first of all, knowing what it is that you want in terms of sexual pleasure, acknowledging it and sharing it with your partner and being uh, playful about it um, and experimenting because novelty is really a key to sexual ecstasy as well. Really experimenting and not expecting everything to work. You know, sometimes trying something with your partner and you can get into a particular position and you can wind up laughing because it's not working for you. But enjoying that, feeling that freedom to just be in that moment fully present with your partner, using all your senses and learning what turns you on. So okay. those are the five ingredients. Well, and, and in the fifth one, I, I guess you didn't use the word fantasy, but that's but part of what... That's part of it, right. So in other words, um, encouraging people as long as it's not something that um, is physically dangerous right, <laughs> um, or emotionally destructive. Right. To, and we're um, talking about two consenting adults. 
right? Right. Okay. Um, to uh, to tell the other one what their right. fantasy may be. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I think, um, certainly from my experience in working with couples or even individuals, it seems like that's the hardest part. Besides getting into all these, you know, the the, the actual physical issues, um, premature ejaculation or different um, sexual dysfunctions, mm-hmm. what seems to be more prevalent is people being afraid to talk, to express their needs, their desires, their fantasies to, to the other person and um, talking about these things. Exactly. And a part of the reason that people are so afraid is, again, they're judging themselves. You know, it's judging themselves in terms of their fears of their partner rejecting them. And that's really a, a large part of that. And if you can both, you both have fantasies. Most people fantasize at some point about other people and other, you know, or things that they've never tried. Some, many fantasies are just fantasies and, you know, there's not really things you want to act out and that's fine, you know, but sharing it with your partner can be very arousing and stimulating and you can play with that. And some fantasies are things that you'd like to try. And again, if you can talk with your partner and set, if you're going to play out a fantasy, set it up so that you know, you you agree that if it's not working for one partner, because if you keep doing something that is is really turning one person off, it's not going to work. But come up with an agreement. You know, that if something is try something. If it's not working, come up with stop or or come up with a word or something that you just agree you're going to stop. Mm-hmm. And then you can try something else, or you can go back to to what's comfortable for both of you. Yes, because there is that fear of things getting out of control. Right, right. So as long as you have an agreement ahead of time, it, you know, it can work. And again, if you have a fantasy, maybe you want to take baby steps towards that fantasy. Why don't you give us some examples of fantasies that you've heard couples talk about that they would like to do or that, and that they were successful in doing? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, one fantasy, and many couples have fantasies that somehow involved kind of um, domination and, and submission, you know. It's a fairly common fantasy. And so, for instance, tying a partner up, okay. Well, you can describe your fantasy, and if it's, you know, tying you to a bedpost with chains and whatever, your partner's probably, if you've never talked about it before, um, Maybe not very responsive, but if you say, well, let's tie you up, we'll take, we'll tie one hand or we'll tie your hands up with kerchief and let's see what that's like. Mm-hmm. You know, I think your partner might be more responsive or maybe your partner says, well, I don't really want to do that, but what if I tie you up? You know, maybe, and again, just playing with that. Um, another fantasy that many, for many couples, the, the issue of oral sex, many couples haven't tried it, but they want to try it and then, there are all these negative feelings about it. You know, for one woman I was seeing, her husband really wanted her to have oral sex with him. And her fear, and she didn't tell him, is one, I don't know how to do it. And two, I don't want to choke. And so we really talked about the fact that that she could just try. She didn't have to put his penis in her mouth. She could just lick it. You know, she could read a book on it. She could have him instruct her about what he likes. he likes 
And then, you know, at the same time, if at any time she decided it was enough, she would just say enough, and that was fine, and there would be no negative repercussions. Mm -hmm. And it worked out very well for this couple. And it wasn't something they wound up doing every time they had sex, but once in a while they incorporated it. She got more comfortable with it. She was then able to ask for more. This was also key that once she, he began to talk about some of what he would like, she felt freer to ask mm-hmm. him for some of the things she wanted. And so there was much more variation in their sex life. Uh, and that's really important in long-term relationships. To keep it new, to keep it fresh, to, you know, experiment with things. And again, some things aren't going to work. You know, you might begin to try a fantasy and it's not going to work. And the fact that you've done it together and you've made the effort and you're willing to hear your partner is what's really key. Mm-hmm. Yes, and certainly um, when you, whatever it is that you're trying uh, and however it works out, it certainly does bring the couple closer, closer together because they're talking about these things. Right. And sharing something uh, much more intimate than just kind of um, hoping that <laughs> the partner is going to stumble onto what it is right. that uh, that gives them pleasure. Right. And if their your partner hasn't stumbled onto it, you know, in five years or <laughs> even two years, or, the chances are they're not going to. Right. You know. But there there are so many ways of being able to do this. Um, Again, just talking about it, reading, bringing home books or, you know, looking for information together on the Internet. The more you bring your sex life together as a couple, you know, the more sexual energy there is together. Yes, the more you talk about it and the more, um, I mean, for example, couples, um, there are books talking about different sexual hotspots in various cities. Mm-hmm. Um uh, or different um, sex toy shops. Going into certainly going into that um, right. with your partner can be a real turn on. Just the trip, you, you know, mm-hmm. whether you buy a toy or not. Um, right. Just sharing feelings about those kinds of things can can sort of inject. If you've never done that before, or you've never played with a certain toy before, or right. you, I, I guess. You know, really what it is 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 the um, one partner making themselves vulnerable to the other or each partner making themselves mm-hmm. vulnerable being a turn-on in itself. Exactly. And there we go. <laughs> With another break. Okay. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll continue with this when we come back. My guest today is Dr. Arlene Goldman, the author of Secrets of Sexual Ecstasy. We're talking about that on Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? 
Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is voiceamerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about secrets of sexual ecstasy with my guest, Dr. Arlene Goldman. And um, we were talking about the steps that you can take that will improve your sex life tonight. I've probably lost half my audience here as they're out practicing your five steps. Oh. <laughs> but Already. They, right. they, can, they, can keep the, uh, they can keep us on while they're doing that. Um, you know, when we were talking off the air and I was um, asking about, you know, certainly – the example that you gave, I mean, certainly uh, that is a, um, it's certainly no secret that men do appreciate um, women performing oral sex on them. And um, it, it, it seems as though there um, may be a lessening of men performing oral sex on women. And... Um, at least that's what I've been seeing in my practice, and um, uh, the women, for the most part, are not happy about this. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I was asking you about what you think, whether you were seeing the same trend, and what you thought might be uh, causing this. Besides, you know, the only thing I can think of is it being linked to what I was talking about earlier on. Um, uh, men feeling more uh, competitive with women, mm-hmm. in- intimidated by women, um, something like that. Right. Right. I also think a piece of it might be that women, you know, 
when during the the kind of the sexual revolution, women felt more empowered sexually to ask for what they wanted, and I think at least again my experience working with couples is that men are more assertive in asking what they want. For women, many times they just you know if they've asked once and their partner has said no, they don't tend to ask again. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe asking more uh, is important. I think the other thing for women in terms of orgasms um, is that women take longer to have orgasms than men. I think uh, Master Johnson actually said I think it, was tw- it takes 21 women, minutes of stimulation for a woman to have an orgasm. And I think maybe what happens is that men start performing oral sex on women and they don't respond the way the man thinks women should. Mm. So then they begin to feel like, well, they're not doing that so well. Let's not, um, let's not go there again. And I think mm-hmm. that, that again can be corrected, you know, through talking about it. So that may be another part yes. of it. Yes, but, um, Men's feeling as though they're inadequate because um, she's not immediately having an orgasm. Right. um, Or getting as turned on as he thinks she she should should, Or or that he gets. Right. Yes. Um, What about, you know, actually it's it's certainly a trend that's been happening, kind of a worrisome trend that's been happening at younger and younger ages, talking about even junior high school, mm-hmm. um, women, or little, they're not women at that in junior high right. school, but girls. Young women. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, performing oral sex on boys. Ever since right. it, it seemed there seemed to be a turning point in the Clinton mm-hmm. scandal when right. everyone was talking about oral sex, right. and then boys, um, even junior high school boys started asking for it, and girls who thought they were going to get a boyfriend if they did it or get somebody to, um, you know, be in the in crowd or, or mm-hmm. uh, I mean, they had all different, the girls have all different ideas about right. what's going to happen if they perform oral sex on a guy mm-hmm. than the guys did. They were just sort of uh, putting notches in their belt. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's... Something that seems to have—I uh, mean, you know—they—it's they, as if they can protect their virginity, um, but yet right. they'll engage in that in order to be popular. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I mean, and it's not about sex for them. It's really—and and that's unfortunate because it's about being popular or being liked or being in the in crowd. Uh, and so, if this is the first—you know—if this is are the kinds of experiences that girls and young women have, in in many ways it's going to turn them off to being sexual because sex then is not for them. Yes. Especially if it's not reciprocal, which in these cases it's not. Yes, it's just about pleasing the boy or then the man. And and that's what they're supposed to do. And, I mean, yes, it's it's Mm -hmm. totally a skewed um, vision of what sex is supposed to be about. Right, right. And, you know, it, it really, for for those of us who kind of grew up during the, the sexual revolution, it's really sad because it's about, you know, in, in the 70s and the 60s, women reclaiming their bodies and their sexuality mm-hmm. and really feeling that sexual, sexuality was part of who they were. 
Right. And that the pleasure was for not apologizing for it. And not apologizing for it. And now we see these, these young women, girls, who really give themselves over as sex objects. And yeah. it's, it, you know, we, we're not sure how what's going to happen as they grow up and get into intimate relationships in the future. Um, but, but some of the women I'm seeing in their 20s right now with, you know, severe sexual difficulties, it's in part a function of... You know, the the early sexuality, it's not a kind of mutual, innocent experience mm-hmm. that it once was, which is, you know, which is a difficulty. Yes, and of course, also with the um, increase in, in girls being um, um, molested mm-hmm. and, and also having that same mindset that it's not supposed to be something that's to give them pleasure. It's where they pleasure a man. Right. Um, right. And, it, and it's really just a job, which is really, you know, it, it really is sad. And it's about one, one thing's working with couples is trying to teach them the mutuality of sexuality. And you talked about... Um, Tantric sexuality, we, we talked about while yeah. you were, and, and the whole idea behind tantric is that your partner is really a kind of embodiment of love, and to really worship each other in that way, and to establish a connection with each other, and this is so different than what we're seeing now in a lot of these young people growing up. And the other thing with the young people we see is that, you know, okay, so so it's oral sex is not really sex. So sex is only intercourse, and that's the real thing. And sexuality is so much more than that. You know, there are so many more erogenous zones than your genitals. And part of a healthy sex life and achieving sexual ecstasy is really discovering all the erogenous zones on your body, including, for many people, the back of the neck and the ears and just a touch of skin on skin, um, as well as your your brain, which is probably the biggest and most important erogenous zone. Yes. Um, and the, uh, the idea of just, of just going for genital sex and skipping mm-hmm. all the rest of it um, obviously is... Um, well, it's less pleasurable for both partners, right. but it's uh, especially less pleasurable for the woman who would be taking longer to have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Well, what um, we're going to be actually uh, wrapping up in uh, very quickly <laughs> now, so why don't you tell people how um, they can get a hold of this book? Okay. One way is through our website, which is www secretsofsexualecstasy.com. They can also get it at um, Amazon or any of the major bookstores. And and I guess one uh, good thing to do with it would be to read it with your partner. Exactly. (laughs) Or read it to your partner. Or read it to, see how many pages you can get through without (laughs) each night before. Now, there's a... Right, use it as foreplay. Exactly. And the one thing about this book is you can pick whatever, start out with whatever chapter you want. You don't Uh have to read it all the way through. Uh So you find out what, what chapters apply most to you and... Start there. 
<laughs> and you can uh, give a hint to your partner when you decide which which chapter is most important for you as a couple. <laughs> well, thank you very much. This has been Dr. Arlene Goldman. Her book is Secrets of Sexual Ecstasy. And uh, something for you to think about. Um, <laughs> Making love, not war, <laughs> and uh, not some of the other sordid things that are going on in our war world. So I think it's a great idea. Get this book. Start reading it with your partner. If you don't have a partner, start reading it. And, <laughs> and that might uh, get you to tear down some of those walls that you've built up against sexual intimacy and relationship intimacy and uh, might get those um, sexual juices turned on again so that um, you might think of venturing out into the world and enjoying sex and love and, uh, and ecstasy. So again, Dr. Arlene Goldman and the book, sex, Secrets of Sexual Ecstasy. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.